my family lived in Smithtown, Long Island. That's uh, Paul and me and my two daughters. We lived not far from the Presbyterian Church of Smithtown, where there is an intersection where five roads meet. Route 25A is this beautiful scenic route that runs north and south all along the east side of the island. Route 111 is one of the routes that runs east-west, right across the island, all the way from Route 25A and then back to the Southern State Parkway. And River Road joins in to that intersection right in front of the Smithtown Presbyterian Church. It is an incredibly complicated intersection with heavy traffic and stoplights and businesses, entrances and exits. And this is where the Guide Dog Foundation trains their dogs. The eyes of those who cannot see. These dogs must navigate this intersection before they complete their training. Now, we knew a woman named Phyllis with her guide dog, Rocky, and we would see them sometimes crossing over this intersection to go and shop at the Grand Union. And I was amazed at Rocky's skill in navigating the stop signs and the cars and the traffic lights, but I was also amazed at Phyllis's trust. The amazing relationship of faith and trust that allowed the blind to see. Samuel is a prophet, one who has been called by God to speak God's word to the people. But Samuel is also a seer. He sees visions. He sees God's messages and visions and dreams. Even as a child, we may remember that story where the little boy Samuel was in training of the priest Eli. And as Samuel slept in the night, he heard the word, Samuel, Samuel. And he was convinced that it was the old priest calling for him. And finally, the priest said, that is God calling you. And when you hear God call again, say, here I am, servant of the Lord. That little boy Samuel has grown up and he is still hearing God speak to him and seeing God's will for the people and speaking, here I am. But now, when we come to this moment in history, Samuel is having difficulty seeing. I want to remind you that this scripture lesson was assigned for today by the lectionary. The nation of Israel is in a crisis. It is not going as Samuel and as God had planned. The people no longer wanted God to be their king. 
The people wanted a human king. Yes, God would be the heavenly king, but the people wanted someone in flesh and blood to lead them. And God chose Saul, and Samuel anointed Saul as king, Israel's first king. But Saul had become a disaster. He was disobedient to the ways of the Lord over and over. And God rejected him and chose another. But Samuel cannot see it. Samuel is distraught over Saul. He looks and looks and looks at Saul because God chose Saul and Samuel anointed him and Saul cannot see where it went wrong. And he's wringing his hands and aching inside. And God finally says to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? It's time to move on. But we understand Samuel. It's never that easy. God calls us to do such hard things. And it is hard to see through tears. The dreams are broken and the hearts are broken. For Samuel, for us, when everything falls apart in our lives, when grief comes upon us, it is as if we are plunged into a darkness where we cannot imagine that light or joy or hope exists. In our own lives, sometimes we can become so consumed by our own past missteps, our own choices, that we cannot see past our shame and guilt. But God insists, come Samuel, you can't see it, but I see hope for the future of our nation, I see that hope in Bethlehem. Come, anoint a new king. But now it is not grief that binds Samuel, but fear. Because God has called Samuel to anoint a new king while there is yet a king. God calls Samuel to be a subversive revolutionary, and Samuel knows full well what happens to subversive revolutionaries. How can I go? Saul will kill me. Samuel cannot see the way forward. It is blocked by the impossibility of danger and fear. Samuel cannot see how he is ever going to get through that intersection of Route 25A and 111 and River Road. In his book, Strength to Love, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. writes of a time during the Montgomery boycott when he was afraid. King received a phone call in the middle of the night, an angry voice that told him he would be sorry 
that he ever came to Montgomery. King began to walk the floor and was ready to give up, and he tried to think of a way out. He wanted to think of a way out without appearing to be a coward. And in his book, Strength to Love, King writes, I held my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen table, and I prayed aloud. I am here, taking a stand for what I believe is right, but now I am afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership, and if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I am at the ends of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I cannot face it alone. And there at the kitchen table, King says he experienced God's presence as never before. The quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for truth. God will be at your side forever. There are all kinds of circumstances in which we can be so afraid we cannot see the way forward. There are those phone calls in the middle of the day or the middle of the night. There's the announcement, you need to come back for the second x-ray. There are difficulties with our business, with a relationship, and we just can't see how it's ever going to work out or how we're ever going to get through it. And then we are called to be subversive revolutionaries against cancer or heart disease, some intractable problem, trouble that we can't see. God says, come on, I know the way. Come. Here's what we will do. So Samuel goes with God and crosses the intersection of 25A and Route 111 and River Road and goes to Bethlehem. And now he makes his way to Jesse's house and he asks Jesse to call his sons. And it's like American Idol with all of these young men standing there and one must be just more handsome than the other. It is so funny because God says, don't look upon how handsome they are, but then David turns out to be the most handsome of them all. I remember one time uh, visiting an elderly woman some years ago. She was in her 90s, and she had the worst crush on Bob Dole. 
she was going to vote for him because he was just so handsome. When I needed to have braces a second time to correct my jaw, realign my jaw, the uh, orthodontist showed me pictures of Ronald Reagan and his profile. And I was going to have a profile just as perfect as Ronald Reagan. We are told still that God tells Samuel, I look beyond outward appearances into the human heart, the seat of reasoning and thinking and right action and loyalty. And so all of Jesse's sons, seven passed before Samuel, and God has rejected them all. And now he says, maybe there's something I'm just not seeing. Are these all your sons? Are these really all of them? Well, there is this one other, but he's awfully young, and he's out tending the sheep. The overlooked youngest, last, least, never considered, must run over, for he is the one in whom God sees the future. David, the shepherd boy from the tiny village of Bethlehem, is anointed the king who will reign for 40 years, who will unify the nation and bring stability to the region and be remembered as Israel's greatest ruler. When all the possibilities are exhausted, God sees one more. Some years ago, the founder of StoryCorps came out with a book called Listening is an Act of Love. And all of the stories in there are magnificent. And I'll just share with you one. A man named George Kaywood was working with the homeless. He worked with the homeless for 20 years, and he tells of a time when he was going through his own depression and divorce and was so lonely that he would go to get a haircut just so he could feel a human touch. And he was sitting in his office alone praying one day, and he said, God, I just need you to touch my arm. I need you to physically touch my arm. And he sat there for something to happen, and nothing did, and he went home. He'd spent a lot of time with street people, especially prostitutes. He knew that you never touched them. They didn't like to be touched because they had been so abused, they just didn't want it. Most of the time, he respected and did not even shake their hands. He says, I was here so broken. As I'm walking home, I looked up the street, and there, maybe 25 yards away, was this woman I knew was a street prostitute. And she took one look at me, and it was like the movies. She started running towards me and threw her arms open wide. She put her arms around me and hugged me and kissed me on the cheek, and then just went on. 
said, I was so shocked. And in some way, it really transformed my view of God because God did not pick a religious person or a business executive, but here was this woman. Her teeth knocked out on the street, probably with AIDS. And that's who God chose to physically touch me. And somehow that seemed fitting. We know that David is said to be, have been a musician, and he is credited with writing that 23rd Psalm. For all those times when he could not see his way ahead. And in the psalm, we hear of one who may even know his own blindness, perhaps is aware of the shadows inside and outside himself. This psalm tells of one who trusts God to be his eyes and to lead him in green pastures and beside still waters and safely through all the dangerous intersections of Route 25A and 111 and River Road. This is the one who has come to know that when all the possibilities of grace have been exhausted, when there is no way forward that can be seen, God sees yet one more. I'm going to close with a prayer adapted from a prayer by Thomas Merton. Let us pray. My Lord God, We have no idea where we are going. We do not see the road ahead of us. We cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do we really know ourselves, and the fact that we think we are following your will does not mean that we are. But we believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And we hope we have that desire for all that we are doing. And we know that if we do, you will lead us by the right road, though we may know nothing about it. Therefore, we will trust you. We will not fear For you are ever with us, and you will never leave us to face our perils alone. Amen.